This morning, we're going to do another standalone message and um, called Ready to Win. And we're going to talk about uh, how to win in life. And, you know, winning in life uh, is not just what I get in life, but that's part of it. But it has a lot to do with us and how God wants us to be whole and different things like that. So if you will, turn to Psalm right about in the middle of the Bible, Psalms 42, and we're going to look about people who faced things and how they won and what we could learn from them. And really, some of these principles Jesus himself lived out. I mean, he lived as a human. He faced the same things we do. And uh, if we could see really how God is personally... And that can be a challenge in religion. Are you with me? To really see how God is can be a challenge in religion. And we're going to look at a couple of verses that show us really how God is. And if this is how God is, then we can know we're to be imitators. Or if we don't, we're supposed to imitate God. We should realize we're under this influence, whether we're recognizing it or not. Anybody curious what that is? It's my last verse, but it may be my first one. How many of you got extra fingers or something to mark the page? We'll stay right there. I'll tell you what, I'll quote it. Romans 15, verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope. Now, we'll read everything through that light that we look at, but when we read that verse and it says, Now may the God of hope. What does it mean to be the God of hope? It's actually sharing a characteristic that if you hung around with God, like if, if you hung around with me, or if I hung around with you, or you hung around with different people, you would experience certain attributes of that person. You would see how they are. You would see, you know, you would hear how they are, how they look at things. And one thing that it says here, now may the God of hope. Well, what does hope mean? It means a positive expectation for something good. So God, if you are around him and looking at him in a correct way, He's got a positive outlook. He's got a positive outlook for you. He's got a positive outlook for all of us. Right? Everybody knows that shops at Hobby Lobby, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have to you, thoughts that are good, not evil, you know, for a hope and expected end. And we've said this before concerning that verse, in its context, those people were in rebellion when he said that. They were going into a foreign land. They had rebelled against God, and he said, I'm still doing good, want you to get property, want you to have good while you're there, even though they were rebelling. He said, when you come back to me with your whole heart, you'll get to walk in even more. But he still was positive toward them, even when they were rebelling. We, we looked at that, what, two weeks ago, how the children of Israel, they were going against God, and he just was trying to do them good. 
Are you with me? He's very positive. And so if he's the God of hope, and we really see him, and we're going to look to him in prayer, this is helpful, he's going to be very positive toward you. Oh, but what if I haven't been good? He's going to be real positive toward you. He's called the God of hope, which means a positive expectation about something. So if we're communicating with him through his word and understanding and we're approaching, if we could really tune into him, really hear what the Spirit's saying concerning us, it would be full of hope. Are you with me? Think of all the encounters Jesus had as he expressed God to the people, and it was only the hardcore religious people that Jesus really was like, uh. But people who sinned, people who failed, people who did all kinds of things, he was like, this is Peter. His name's Simon, shifting sand. I'm changing it to a rock. No more shifting sand. All these things, the way he approached things, he was positive, wasn't he? Good expectation. The gates of hell are going to come against you, but they will not prevail. That, doesn't that sound positive? He's the God of hope. So when we're talking to God, we need to realize this. If we could hear the inflection of his voice, or we could hear really what he's saying, and I believe we can, then we're going to hear a lot of hope, a lot of positive expectation. That's good to know. Somebody's like, I doubt it. Then... We're not hearing him. Are you with me? Because that's really how he is. And if it says that, then we should count that as a fact. And if I'm not looking at it that way, I need to probably weed through some stuff. Are you with me? Somehow, maybe I've got cluttered. Turn to Psalm 42, if you're not there. And we're talking about ready to win. And God wants us to win. And so here in Psalm 42, verse, we'll begin in verse 10. As with the breaking of my bones, that's a good verse to start with on a Sunday morning. Oh, great. Why have you, uh, oh, I skipped back to nine. He said, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? So basically, this guy here who wrote this is basically saying, all day long I'm hearing this, why aren't you winning? Where's your God in this matter? You know, it, painful, isn't it, living this life? And he's just getting bombarded with these thoughts. And remember, if God is positive... And his expectation, he has a good expectation for you. A good future, good things to win. And if he's got that, you can tell these are not his thoughts. And these are their enemies. Verse 11 says, because it says, where is your God? He's with you. He's with you. And he's for you. 
Because the Bible said, if God's for you, who can be against you? And He is. Verse 11, this is the response to what's been bombarding Him. Are you ready? You ever heard the term spiritual warfare? I have a note in here about that. You know, we've, we've talked to, you know, people talk about spiritual warfare in the church or spiritual warfare and spiritual warfare. In a great way, spiritual warfare is really dealing with discouragement in our own lives. Because spiritual warfare, you know, the Bible talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. Well, if you watch old movies, you know, they shoot those arrows in and try to kill people, start things on fire. Well, they didn't have like artillery back then, so he called the thoughts of the enemy that come hurling at us, these are thoughts that try to ignite a fire in us. Spiritual warfare really often is dealing with discouragement. I'm praying, and God, and here, like this guy, oh, God's not working. Those are fiery darts. They're discouragement. And, and notice what he does as this discouragement is coming all day long. How many of you know it would be nice just 10 minutes, that's the limit? But sometimes things come all day long, and it's not because you're sinning. It's not because you're doing wrong. Now, you might be doing wrong, and you might connect the two, and there may be some connection, but sometimes there may not be. Are you with me? I mean, how, how many bad things had Jesus done in his life when that storm tried to sink him? Nothing. And so, in our lives, we need to realize if there is this attack of discouragement, what do we do? Thinking positive is important, but there's another factor to it. Notice verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? This guy right here opened up his mouth and started saying, Why are you caving in on me, emotions? Why didn't he go after the devil? Why didn't he go after these other people that were saying things? You know why? Because you can't stop people and you can't always stop certain thoughts from coming. So he didn't deal with the enemy. He just said soul, mind, emotions. Why are you cast down? And why are you disquieted within me? You're all turned up. My, you know, he's basically saying that about his emotions. And then it goes on to say, Hope in God. Hope in God. He said, let's have a positive look on this. Well, did it look like he should have had one? Did he just start going, okay, I'm going to think positive thoughts? He, to get the positive things going in his life, he started opening his mouth. And he said, mind, emotions, you start thinking big about God in your life. 
hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. So he starts talking to himself. Then he starts going, I'm going to praise God. You know, sometimes that's the first step to praising God. Let me, let me say that again. Because sometimes we tell people, praise the Lord. Let's lift our voice or just praise him. You know, sometimes before you ride the motorcycle, you got to kickstart. Are you with me? Sometimes you may have to tell yourself, hey, we're about to praise God. Because your emotions may be going, are we really? Nobody's emotions have ever been there. We're really going to do that right now? He said, hope in God. Oh, why would he have to say it if he was already doing it? He, he would have said, look at you, all these bombarding thoughts, and you're already hoping in God. And you're just praising him. No, he said, hope in God. And then he said, for I shall yet praise him. So he put his emotions on notice. Guess what we're about to do? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is what you're going to do here. You know, talking to yourself, psychology has figured that helps. You know, long before they ever figured it out, God made humans, and you can read about it thousands of years ago in the Bible. Notice this. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. We're going we're gonna to do that. You know, people do this all the time. They're going to go work out. All right, we're going to get after it. We're going to do this. We're going to run. We're, you know, they talk to themselves long before they ever get there. What are they doing? They're trying to help themselves get ready to do what they're about to do. They know it's good. They, I'm not going to eat that whole bag of M&Ms. I'm not going to eat that whole bag of M&Ms. All right, I won't buy another bag of M&Ms after I finish this bag of M&Ms. You know what I mean? People talk to themselves. Nobody does that here. Ask somebody that hangs around you. We, we talk to ourselves. It's a natural thing. We just need to be careful how we talk to ourselves. It, it's really built into us. And really, sometimes talking to ourselves is really talking to other things, too. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, my God. He is our salvation. Speech right here and affirming things is huge. Be careful what you affirm. Don't affirm negative things. Negative thoughts may come. You know, one thing he was doing here, whether we realize it or not, he was eradicating negative images. He was eradicating pictures that were being formed in him that God's not going to work, God's not doing anything, and his soul was starting to get a new paint job. You know what I mean? Wrong images were there. And so he starts dealing with them by not just thinking positive, but introducing new thoughts to his mind through his mouth. 
Jesus said that. Don't take thoughts of worry and say them. Thoughts of worry may come, but don't express them. Now, you can acknowledge things, and there is a difference, because you're not denying something, but when we magnify and help create that image in us, those things need to be eradicated. Jesus did it, different people did it in the Bible, and the way to eradicate some of that stuff is you can't stop all the thoughts, but you can introduce new things, like God's for me. He's not against me. Everything I need in life, he has supplied. It belongs to me. I'm a believer. Everything spiritually, everything emotionally, everything physically, everything financially, all different kinds of things, you name it, Christ paid for it. He actually paid for every aspect of life to be put back into order other than physical death, which is the last enemy, so that life can be in order. Now, I understand there can be refusals on other people's part, but we can influence that by our own faith in God. Are you with me? But remember, spiritual warfare in a real sense is dealing with discouragement. Things that would try to take courage away and cause us not to be courageous. And you know, God wants us all to be courageous. Why? Because he's the God of hope. He's positive about things and his power will match his positiveness. Are you with me? And so this is huge. Jesus is called the anchor to our emotions and he basically said, it's the hope of his return. Or that positive look at things helps steady our emotions. I've said this over the years, how much um, I am not experiencing peace is a good signal to what I'm thinking on. I've noticed this in my life where I've gone, wait a minute, I should be experiencing peace right now. I'm not like I should. I'll look at what I'm thinking on and realize if I keep my mind on him, Isaiah says in the 26th chapter, he will keep me in perfect peace. And literally it's not mind, it's my imagination or the image. It's really hope. Looking at something positive and the way I bring my mind back is going to be through speech. Are you with me? It's how Jesus did it when he was tempted. He started quoting the scriptures and started speaking things like, you know, I'm going to serve God only because he was being tempted to not serve him. Are you with me? What hope does is it helps us to see something uh, that is not apparent right now or is contrary to what the enemy or these negative thoughts that are coming are painting a picture. I had heard a story about a guy, uh, Major Muktuk Marston, if you're from Alaska. He, during World War II, helped, I don't even know if he helped train him, 
he, I think he basically said there isn't the time to train him, but he was kind of helping, you know, to defend that land. And so he got the indigenous people that were there and he tried to help them to ward off any enemies that would come into Alaska. Because how many know during World War II, you know, the Germans were out in U-boats and doing different things and they were concerned there may be some invasion. And so he said in training these people, he said he realized they had a refined vision that was different than his where they could see better through the fog than he could. They could see animals through the fog and the mist and boats through the fog and mist that he could not see. And what's so wild about that is, you know, when the enemy's talking or when negative thoughts are coming, they're coming to obscure what's really there or what God really will do for you and what God really wants. How can we develop our vision, so to speak, to see through the muck? Well, or the fog. What, what, what is it we can do? And really, it's hope. It's a positive expectation. And if God is the God of all hope, then we have to realize if I'm kind of missing out on peace and I'm kind of ugh inside, I'm not looking at the right thing. And I can turn my attention toward God. And I think probably every Christian has done this at some point in their life, even if they're new in the Lord. Maybe they kind of had a tough week. You know, I've heard people say, man, I, I couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday. Oh, I, I was just, man, it was like I was running out of gas. What are they saying? Man, it was just like life was coming at me. And now I'm all charged up again and I'm ready to go. What happened was all those negative things were starting to have an effect on him. When they got to church, all of a sudden they started hearing songs about the Lord and what he's done and how he's for us and how he's big. And it started to change that image and tear down some of that junk. They started seeing beyond the natural and seeing through the fog. And they started going, yeah, man, God's something. He's working in me. He's for me and not against me. He said, I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me. He's made me the head and not the tail. You know, and then we hear the message and it starts helping shape us more. And then we're like, yeah, I'm ready to go for the week. It's that same principle, but we can do some of that stuff on our own. Are you with me? Turn to 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. We're going to see a person who did this very thing who was a great person, but faced some junk, and even the best. And David was a real positive person. You could, by reading the Bible, easily think David was as positive or more positive than any of the guys that were around him. And it kind of sounds like God. And he had a relationship with God, and he wasn't always negative. And God's not negative. He told him, you serve me, you're going to eat the good of the land. You do all this, you walk with me. All your enemies will be defeated. You're going to eat from the land. 
I'm going to bless you. All nations will see and call you blessed. Watch. Well, he hung around with God. Somehow, all the rest of the people didn't get this. Because how many remember David and Goliath? You know, all the people were afraid, but think how positive David was. This dude's falling. I'll kill him. I'll take him down. Where did he get this positive expectation? Maybe it was he, his relationship with God. All the rest of the people were afraid. People were mocking him. That's why I said it probably is pretty easy to see that David was quite optimistic and had a lot of hope. Where did he get that? Where did it rub off from? It wasn't his brothers because they were mocking him. They, they even told him, why don't you go back and... Uh, who's keeping the sheep, man? What are you out here just to see a battle? He wasn't out there to see the battle. He's like, man, we're all in covenant. Why didn't anybody rise up? He was all positive. They're making fun of him. Why don't you get back to the sheep and do what you're supposed to do? Who's taking care of him, little guy? But he said, man, isn't there a cause? God can help us. Notice what he was doing. He started verbalizing a positive expectation. And you know what happened? It brought all the children of Israel through. That's why I said he was a very positive person. The most positive maybe of the whole bunch because it said the whole army was afraid and nobody would rise up and then this little guy comes and he's very positive. That's why I said, it's easy to see that. Same guy here. David faced something. You know, Jesus had a day like this. It doesn't mean he was overcome. But look at this here in 1 Samuel 30. You guys awake? You with me? I believe you are. 1 Samuel 30 Verse 6, David is, he's a mighty guy. He literally has won great victories. He has a heart after God. I think his heart after God was he just believed how big God was, that God could do things, and he started talking that way and started acting like it was true. And he would inquire with God, should I do this or should I not do this? And his life was so intertwined with God. If God said, don't move forward on this yet, he didn't move forward on it yet. If it was time to move, he'd pray and inquire of the Lord and say, let's go. Well, this one time they went to battle and uh, they had this great victory. They had gone out. They had attacked these enemies. They took the spoils. I mean, they're coming back to their own land. They're, you know, they're pretty excited. I almost said stoked. But they, they were thrilled. They were stoked. They were, you know, uh, that California leaked out. Anyway, but they, I mean, he's just like, hey guys, we can do this. David's positive. These people come back. They've got all this stuff. They're ready to go home to their family and say, look at what happened. We won. We got all this. They come back. And man, 
while they're out at war, people came and took all their stuff. And they show up with all their stuff, their new stuff, and they go back and all their old stuff stolen. Wives, kids, everything. We'll pick it up right here in verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. Mr. Positive is being attacked with distress. And, it's, and why was he? It said, for the people spoke of stoning him. Well, that would be distressful. You know, we got everybody for me. They're like, we're winning. Yeah, this is awesome. Then you come back and where's my wife? Where are my kids? Where's my stuff? I got the new stuff. Where's my old stuff? And the people turned on David. And they started talking. So much so that it distressed him. Ugh. Nobody there to help David. David's got to do this on his own. David's a positive person, but he still was attacked. So if you're attacked and the most positive person around, that's not that doesn't mean something's wrong for with you. But what do we do? Well, David, when he was greatly distressed, it said, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, because they had all been taken. It didn't say anything about their wives. Oh no, let's just keep reading. But in the verse before, David's wives were taken and stuff like that. Nobody thought that was funny. Anyway, um, so David's all discouraged. He's down. Why? Because all the people got down. How come the people got down? They had just had a great victory. You ever had a great victory and all of a sudden something goes, hi-ya? Like, man, everything's awesome. And then, huh, what? I mean, that's where they were. And Mr. Positive here is now grieved because not only is he facing what everybody else is facing, but now everybody is facing him too. He's not just having to deal with his family and his wives being gone and his kids being gone. He's having to deal with everything everybody else is dealing with and now they're all heaping it on him. You're a goner, dude. We followed you to victory, but we came back to defeat and he was like, uh, <laughs> what are we going to do? And he couldn't say, hey guys, cheer up. Because they're about ready to wring his neck. But notice this. All the people. The soul of all the people was grieved. Literally, it was bitter. You ever had something real bitter? Ugh. It made them internally bitter. And they looked at him. You were the one who served me this bitter thing. And it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does it mean he strengthened? Other translations say David began to encourage himself in God. Well, why did he do that? 
because just like before when he said hope in God, he started encouraging himself. You know, if you only look at the negative pictures, you're not seeing through the fog. And just like those people could see through and see an animal and see a boat, they saw something beyond. Hope helps us to see beyond. And David went, wait a minute, God's for me and not against me. I'm going to hope in God. Why am I going to hope in God? Why am I going to trust in the Lord? Because God is a God of hope, positive. He knew God was positive in this. He knew without even praying. Amen. Without even having to pray or look up any scripture, look up anything, he knew God was positive because he's the God of hope. Didn't even question his character. He just said, well, it's going to turn out good. He started encouraging himself. God's for me and not against me. If he would have questioned himself and questioned everything, really what he would have been doing is saying, I really don't know what God is thinking in this situation. I've got to get that settled first. He had it settled without even praying. He knew God's character. God's for me. He's for all of us. I don't even have to pray and say, what do you want to do in this matter, God? Do you think something good should come out of this? I'm just not sure. He didn't even do that. He just said, no, I'm going to trust God because he knew who God was. He knew he was positive. He knew God was for him. And here's the thing. We shouldn't look at David and wonder and think, wow, look at him. No, God was for all of them. And he's more for us than he is for them. Well, how can you be so sure? Because David was a servant with a covenant. We're children with rights. And God again and again talks about his character toward his own children. How that he would never give something bad if we asked for good. So that should help us to think at least as good as David. And go, you know what? Junk is happening right now, but God is definitely not for this junk. Not for this negative that's going on in my life. He's wanting a good ending in this garbage. Period. He, and he didn't even ask. Because, you know, sometimes people do that. Well, God, I know this is not good, but I don't, I don't know what you want out of this. We should already inherently know He's the God of hope. He wants good. Are you with me? And so, David encouraged himself. Then David calls the priest, gets this ephod, you know, where you'd inquire of the Lord. And he basically talks to the Lord about how to get everything back because he's thinking God's got stuff for us and he wants good. 
I mean, he told them, you know, you walk with me, you'll defeat all your enemies, so this isn't lining up. So he didn't have to ask God, what are you doing, God, right now? He just said, no, good is going to come out of this. We are going to win. I can't go talk to everybody because they're going to kill me. So I'm going to have to talk to you, God, and I already know where you're going with this. Let's just figure out how to do it. Let's go get after it and go get it. That's what he did. It's pretty good for somebody who's not as far along as us, meaning he couldn't be a child of God. He only had a covenant. Turn with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter. We'll read this real quick and then one more verse and we'll, we'll close. So if I'm not experiencing peace, what can I do? Look at what negative thoughts are coming. Find new ones in the Bible. Know that God's for you and start saying, God's for me in this matter. I'm an overcomer. Things, and you're going to have to look beyond the fog. God has a good outcome in this. God is working on my behalf. God is working. God's directing. God's guiding. He's influencing people. How many of you know, if you only see the fog, you don't know everything that's going on? How many of you know we do see fog? What do you mean? Remember 1 Corinthians 13, it said we see through a glass dimly. In other words, it's like a hazy glass looking into the Spirit. You know, you don't always see everything, and the way to see clear is to know God and see what He has to say. And if we know He's positive, then we can see clearer through that. And we, and literally, it's not seeing the actual object, it's seeing what he said, and that's as good as seeing the object. And then we need to begin to speak. Why? Why would we speak? Jesus did that when he faced those negative thoughts. All the ones we read so far did that same thing. They just didn't try to use mind power. Okay, I'm just going to think positive thoughts. That is important. But the way to induce positive thoughts is to begin to say positive things. God's working. God's working. How did the negative thoughts get induced into you? Through thoughts. You know, those images come through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that can come from circumstances, can come from things that are not lining up with God, can literally come from the enemy too of your soul. How many of you know he can bring up your past to you just at the right time to get you to go, uh? But then you need to say, no, my past is gone. You know, I've said this, I haven't said in a long time, but don't get that old boyfriend and old girlfriend mentality. You know, people do that in life. What do you mean? You meet a new girl, meet a new guy. But it can be the same thing in a job. It can be the same thing in other circumstances. And, and your experiences are, have been one way in the past. And you get the old boyfriend mentality, the old girlfriend mentality. All guys are like this. All girls are like this. All bosses are like this. 
all neighborhoods are like this. All people are like this. All children are like this. And those are not true. And then what happens is we have that old boyfriend-girlfriend mentality that starts influencing my decisions. How many of you know God can tell us stuff beyond what we're seeing? And it's a fact. And it'll make your heart leap. Anybody ever had that happen? You came to church, you were in prayer, and you went, wow, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And nothing's changed by appearance. But God's word does that to us, and then it's just a matter of time. One guy said, think faith thoughts, speak faith words or confident words, and it'll bring your heart out of defeat into victory. Are you with me? Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts, I, I said Acts because I was there. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians 4. It says this, and we'll read in verse 6, Be anxious or don't worry for anything. God doesn't want us to worry. Why would he not want me to worry? You know, there's a lot going on, Lord. Remember, he's the God of hope, positive expectation. He sees something bigger than what I'm seeing. If he's seeing something bigger than I'm seeing and he's looking at it positively and he's saying don't be anxious and worrisome about this, then he must be seeing something good coming to pass. He's wanting me to join how he's looking at it. And he said, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication or humble request with thanksgiving. In other words, thank you, God, I got it. Once you're done praying, you don't need to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. Just start thanking God. You got this. I asked. I'm not going to worry. I'm not concerned about the fog I'm seeing. I see something beyond there. And he said then... If we do that, he talks about how the peace of God will begin to pass and guard and protect. Sounds like warfare. We'll start dominating our heart and our mind. In other words, we'll start getting quieted within with divine peace. And he told us how to restore peace, but then he tells us right after how to keep peace. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, just, or right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, not bad report, if there's anything with virtue or good quality, think, or anything praiseworthy, if it's not worthy of praise, he said, don't ponder it. He said, if you do this, the peace of God will work in your life. But once again, verbalize. Verbalize. If we don't know the positive side of God and that expectation he has for us that's great, then I need to go back and visit the book that he gave me 
so I could know what he's really like and that he's really for me and he's really wanting us to win. He's really got good plans for us and he really wants to help you. And it doesn't matter if one person on one side of the room is facing one thing that's completely different than the person on the other side is facing something. I don't have to go through a list and go, uh, he wants bad for you, but good for you. No, he wants good. And he's about as positive as they get. Are you with me? I mean, so much so that as the world comes to a close, he said he'll slow down. He said he's not wanting anybody to perish. He's thinking one more, one more, one more. Get one more. Reach one more. And he's waiting on us. He's believing in us.